What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 49 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, today is going to be a great episode. Number one, we're almost at 50 episodes. Can you believe that? It seems like just yesterday I was recording episode number one and stumbling and and figuring out what to say, when, and man, we've just gotten on a great leadership journey and thousands of you have been able to join in. And I'm so, so thankful. It feels so selfish to get to meet these amazing leaders and other people not be able to listen in. Well, because of the podcast, others have been able to listen in and others have been able to join and help hopefully in their leadership and hope that it's helping you grow to be the leaders that you were created to be. Well, today we get a great, great opportunity. I think it's my first time sitting down with a couple. We get to sit down today with the founders of Belay Solutions, Brian and Shannon Miles. I have known of Brian and Shannon for years, but I didn't get to know them personally until we sat down for our interview. Belay Solutions is really one of the most unique, creative ways that technology is being used to help so many people by providing job opportunities for people that one time thought they could only stay at home and provided an amazing resource for some companies and some people that were looking for help but didn't necessarily need somebody in their physical office. Brian and Shannon are trendsetters, and they have grown Belay into one of America's most cutting-edge companies. Their story of how they got in there is amazing. So today, you're going to be inspired, you're going to be informed, and for some of you, You're going to pick up some new people because of Belay that you didn't even know you had access to. So today is going to be a fun one. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my time with Brian and Shannon Miles. Brian and Shannon, thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It means the world. We're thrilled to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, you guys, you guys are awesome. I love it. One of my favorite things about this, and I've been looking so forward to this, I love that you two are a team. How much fun has the ride been getting to where you are today and learning how this, you said I do at an altar. I don't know if you said I do. We're going to work together every day. All right, so <laughs> how, how has that gone, and what has it been like to work together? Most days are really great. <laughs> Uh, What's today? I love it. Wasn't a good day. We argued about uh, a very important part of our business, which um, you know you're going to have that if you want to see something be uh, achieved for the growth of the business. But you know, I, I I'll speak for myself. 
I really love working with my wife because one, she's incredibly qualified to be in the role that she's in. And I've witnessed her navigate incredible complexity in a Fortune 10 company for a decade before we ever started our company. So for me to work with that type of talent is pretty amazing. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Um, I, Brian and I are co-CEOs in our business. So when you talk about being a, a team, like we try very hard to like not have a trump card over each other. Like we try most days to make decisions together and cast vision together. But there are some areas that God's gifted Brian in that are entirely different than how he's gifted me. And like Brian said, most of the time that's very complimentary, but sometimes it creates um, a necessary tension in the business, which as husband and wife always translates to personal. And we're okay with that. Like that's a risk. We knew that we were accepting when we started the business together um, about eight years ago. So we had been married 12 years before we started Belay and kind of knew through the course of those 12 years, we kind of raised each other in new strengths and weaknesses and, and uh, kind of what we were getting into to a large part. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'd say, you know, the, the, we get asked this a lot, like, what's it mean to work together? And we are, you know, I think we're actually defining for us what that is and making that more of a formal thing, I think, over the next, you know, six to nine months, because we, we realize there's probably some good content in there to share with the world. We're just not quite ready to do that. Yeah, totally, totally. And it will probably always be a work in progress. It's like marriage. It'll always right. be a work in progress. So how did you guys meet and fall in love? And give us, give me a little of the background of what, what brought your lives together. Well, I saw Shannon and I thought I'm in love. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I honestly, I, when I, I, we had met, um, by accident a couple years before we actually met in college, but uh, I was being set up with one of his friends. Yeah. Nice. What it was meaning the friends. And How about that? For and my God, friend right? is a great guy. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't work out between the two of them. But when she came to college, I was a junior, she was a freshman. Um, I, my eyes just, I locked on her like a target, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like somebody on a most wanted list. I was just, you know, and I went after her, uh, predatory. it was a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, I, we went the first couple of days before school got started. There's this place in Ohio where we went to school to a small um, liberal arts Christian school called Mount Vernon Nazarene University. And um, there, it's in Amish country, so there's not much to do there. And so what we do is you jump off railroad bridges in the rivers. That was our entertainment. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. So we did. Uh, and, and so while we were there, I just let her know that I... I really liked her a lot. And then I just jumped off the bridge because I didn't want to see the aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> on the story though, because yes, there was the bridge and everybody was jumping off the bridge. Then you could climb to the highest part of the bridge, like the top of the railroad bridge. About 40 feet. No other girls were doing it. And I'm like, I got to be the cool girl. I got to go after this guy. And so we go up there together and we're sitting up there. I'm freaking out. And he's like, just in case we don't make it down, I just want you to know I like you. He jumps and I'm sitting up there like, oh my word, what did I get that myself? That is awesome. That is awesome. And then I jumped. And that's kind of the metaphor for our lives. <laughs> <laughs> that Who would have ever dreamed how many times you'd be jumping from then on? That is yeah, crazy. plenty of bridges in our life. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's great thrill for me in seeing a risk rewarded. Mm. And, um, 
And I think that's true when you're an entrepreneur, but there's also risk when you are an entrepreneur or you're an employee of an organization. You know, there's there's calculated risk you can take. But for us, I mean, metaphorically and literally, I mean, we've, we've jumped off bridges our whole life together. We've, we, and Shannon said it right, we've kind of grown um, up together and we've, you know, we've raised each other. Yeah, so that, that bridge jumping day, I was 17. You were 19. 19 and we got married uh, two years two later. later. Yeah. While we wow. were still in school, graduated in 99 and moved to Atlanta after that. That is so great. Y'all were babies. We you were, were just babies. My wife and I were 22 and 21, and my children now are 21 and 24. And I think they don't know anything about <laughs> life yet. What the world? What yeah. are they going to do? And I'm thinking <laughs> we were married at this point. It is yeah. the craziest. It is the craziest deal. So you guys begin this life together, but you both had individual careers. Brian, you had yours very successful career with Kogan and your world. And then Shannon, you were with McKesson and yep. doing building those lives. What were those first years like building your individual corporate lives? Were was it something you thought you'd do forever? Was there always something in you going, no, I've got something I want to do differently? What would y'all say? I think the from a marriage standpoint, early on, it was a lot of fun. We didn't have kids, you know, or the responsibility of that. We waited eight years to have our first baby. Um, and we took full advantage of that. I think, um, you know, we were also figuring out what it meant to be young adults and professionals. My first job right out of college was, um, I worked for a dot bomb that was awesome. It was publicly traded. They raised a bunch of money They caught it on fire and then it exploded and yep. ended nothing. And <laughs> laid off and I was one of them. Uh, you know, and, and like, welcome to Atlanta. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> we, we, we got immersed in traffic, uh, you know, all the things that you learn as a young professional adult. And, you know, we, we also worked hard and we um, got promoted through the ranks of organizations, Shannon, um, you know, especially at McKesson, um, really got called out for some great things. And she got some cool promotions and some opportunities. And, and I did too, over time, um, you know, but I think for us, it was just a great season of time to, to learn how to kind of grow together and uh, learn how to, you know, become a young leader. Yeah. And for me, like my first year out of college working was at a law firm mm. in Midtown. And I, I really loved law and thought that that would be my track, but knew I didn't want to be an attorney. So um, that commute at the time was like an hour each way, which now would be what an hour and a half or yeah, two. That's right. Um, just based on the growth of the city. And, and so we went to move from an apartment to buy a house and the commute was going to get even longer. So I knew it was time to make a change. And that's when I started working for McKesson in the legal department. And so that's where I cut my teeth on corporate America and, and stayed in that department for a couple of few years and got to work with the sales team and saw how fun and adventurous and challenging and rewarding sales could be. And so I moved into a junior sales position so I could learn that aspect of the business. And that's when my travel really picked up. Um, but I loved it. It was a blast. And so this would have been like 2001 to two or maybe 2002 to 2006. And, and that's when we said, hey, wouldn't this be a great time to have a baby? Let's do that. Nice. <laughs> so, um, finally, I had like gotten the positions that we were working for and, and we're very fortunate and blessed to you know, get pregnant with Rainy right away and, and have her in September of 2006. That's awesome. That Five? is awesome. 
Oh my gosh, I don't know when my daughter was born. <laughs> <laughs> Brian just held up his hand and said, five, two thousand. I am I am taking a pretty good shot. She's not listening. So I think we'll be Mother okay. <laughs> of the year. Oh, my oh that's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. That's something good. Stick that in the card, buddy. Stick she that in the card. Never listen to this podcast. No, no, no. I think we're I think I think we're safe. So here you are, you're building life together. You have a child. You come out of a of a, a Nazarene university. You both probably grew up with a faith. How did your faith really begin to form in those early years of your marriage as you began to, to do that together, to build a spiritual journey together? What was that like? You know, that um, we had an interesting experience with the Nazarene church. Brian sort of grew up in that, that environment. I wasn't introduced to it until my sophomore year of high school. And that's sort of the experience we had through college. And then when we came to, and it was very, and I'm not generalizing that as an experience. I'm just going to speak from my own. It was very uh, rules-based mm. and works. Um, faith, obviously, but there were things that you needed to do to, to sort of stay right, you know? Right. Um, and so but then when, and very doctrine. So almost the, the manual was, was equivalent to the Bible, it seemed at times. And so when we moved from that environment to Atlanta, we looked for a, a Nazarene church in the area. There really weren't very many or the, the ones that we would want to go to. And that's when we stumbled on North Point. Mm. And at that point, it was what, a year, two years old? Yeah, there was about 2,500 people there yep. at North Point back then in 1999. And we walked in and we were like, what is this? <laughs> Where are we? And it was terrifying. I mean, it was such a big church that like 2000 people was huge. Right. And, um, I, I just remember being so, um, attracted to the environment, even though it was so outside of anything I, we had experienced, um, that it was intriguing enough to go back. Yeah. And we just kept going back. Yeah. and, And for me, very similar, but I, I had realized that I had had a religion, not a relationship. Mm. And they didn't quite say it that way back in the early days of North Point, but that's what I, I, I could say today. It was quite the case as I was a Nazarene. I don't know that I had a personal relationship with Jesus. And, um, and, and while I, you know, I said the prayer and, you know, check marked all that stuff. I didn't, there was no real deep, meaningful connection. Uh, but coming to, to North Point and then understanding kind of for the first time what grace is, not only did that wash all over me, I think it washed over our relationship. As a couple, we started, you know, it, it, you know, the understanding of grace, I think, is is not a one and done. I think it's it's over over time you start to recognize the implication of that in your own life and then how that might be applied to others. And so I think that that's what I saw over that decade is how a relationship with Jesus more than a religion being a particular denomination was anything at all. And so uh, it, it it definitely formed the early days of of my faith. In, in this sense of a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, and I don't think there's anybody better in America at taking the Bible in a, in a book that's been put together and helping you take it from Sunday to Monday than Andy. I don't sure. know anybody that he, he, he puts great handles on it where you're going, wow, that really does matter tomorrow. That matters. Yeah. I can use this in my life tomorrow and my faith really does matter. So as you're sitting there, Brian, you, you've, you've grown up one way and now you're, you're sitting there going, 
man, I think I've just got religion. What was that process like? What did it, what did it feel like as a business guy? You're young, you're, you're aggressive, you're building your life, building your career, yet behind the scenes in that engine room, you're going, I think there's something more. What, what, was, what was that like? Well, I, I think, you know, for me at least, um, I felt like God had a, a deeper desire for me in my life. Mm. And, and there was a draw to do something more substantive than working for a dot bomb, you know, that was, you know, just making software. And I'm not, I wasn't quite sure what that was. Um, and then in 2004, I believe it was, I got offered a position to come work for Kogan, which is a church construction company. Yep. Um, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily want that job. Um, but I felt like God was calling me there. And and in hindsight, I know why now yeah. for sure. Uh, but there was a very defined moment where I felt like God was saying, you need to go work at this company. And it almost to the point it felt disobedient. And so for me, it was a faith element of walking in obedience to something that I didn't quite want to do. But frankly, that the reason why I was there for those six and a half, seven years at Kogan was to basically put me in experiences and draw on leadership and learn from some really great leaders. That was the springboard literally to starting our business in 2010. I mean, literally, I can point specifically wow. to how that happened. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think that um, for us, you know, while it was scary to cash in our 401ks in 2010, $160,000 worth of money, and, and do all that, our, our whole retirement we went in on our business as our startup capital, and it felt really risky. It also felt like it was the next iteration, I think, what God was drawing us to. And we were unified in that, uh, as scary as that was. And, you know, speaking of the financial aspect and, and the intersection of faith, you know, the whole um, first part of our marriage, we were living beyond our means. Yeah. You know, in college, when, when we went to school, there were credit card companies set up in yep. the cafeteria to get you to sign up. And we just... We came from, Brian came from a middle-class family. I came from a, a lower-class family and we just weren't taught about money. And it wasn't until we came to North Point and it took God several iterations of like <laughs> Crown Financial Ministries. That's right. And, you know, specific financial Bible studies through small group that we were in. Um, so many Give, Save, Live sermons for us to finally say, okay, we have to give first. We have to save second and live on the rest. It's all God's anyway. And that, um, the concept, but then the application where we really got consistent about tithing and put together a strategy to increase, you know, to start somewhere. I think our first tithing percentage was less than 5%, but yeah. it was the, the discipline the of it. Consistency. That's right. We paid off a tremendous amount of debt once we actually applied what God was teaching us. And it's because we paid off that debt that we could also save for our uh, retirement that also ended up being the seed funding for Belay. So, you, you know, you look back over 20 years of history and you see how God has led you to certain points and had you intersect with ideas and leaders and positions and experiences to, to bring you to where you are today. Yeah, I think it's really rare when God shows you the actual outcome of where he's taking you. I think it's more take the right next step. And that that's project. right. And that's exactly what happened, you know, for us. Shannon's right. We knocked off a ton of debt when we got serious about prioritizing God's money. And, and in your minds, probably at that time, if if somebody had 
pushed pause and walked in and said, now this is all to get you to one day, you guys are going to have a company together and you're going to cash in everything. You're going, no, 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 no. Yeah, That's not no. what we're doing. We're just beginning to go back to church. We're just trying to yeah. find a good church to get plugged into. But where would, let me ask you this question. Where would you be today? If that hadn't have happened, you never walked in North Point and you just said, you know what? We, we've been to church. We have, and Brian, as you said, we have a religion, so we're good. Do you think you would be the leaders you are today if your faith weren't a component in that? I'll speak for myself. I think I would be. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a leader. You know, I, I would I'd probably have a deficit in certain areas that, you know, but I, I'd absolutely be leading. I think that, um, you know, oftentimes people will say, well, you're, you know, you're so blessed. I, I, I agree with that, but I also earned it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that God expects us to work hard and to get after things and to do the work. And so for me, I would be a leader. I just, I think I'd have a deficit in many areas of my life, specifically in relationship, um, how I help others, how I serve others. But I, I would definitely have a deficit without Christ in my life. Well, that's good. How about you, Shannon? Yeah, you know, I think that my faith and, and the growth that I experienced in it when we started going to North Point and, and it became more personal gave me the faith to take the risk. Mm. Um, I grew up in a pretty unstable environment. And so one of the things I craved early in our marriage was stability. And so if you had told me like in the beginning, oh, this is all so that you can, you know, cash in your 401ks and start a company one day, I would say, you're crazy. That's, I would never do that. Right. But you're my faith built over time and God proved himself over and over again. And we became more stable in our relationship. And that really was the foundation to say, okay, all things considered, we're going to start this business. If we lose all of our investments, if we um, end up going broke on it, we're not going to lose our house and we're not going to lose our relationship with each other. And we're not going to lose our faith. So why not try? Like it's worth the risk. So it was that. So good that stability that I needed to, to make the leap. Who was the most aggressive to make the move? So you guys know, you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are sitting there going, all right, I think that this is, and I think you had even toyed, if I remember correctly, Shannon, you had even toyed with it a little bit from your time. They were allowing you to begin to work from home a little bit after your child. Mm -hmm. Was that yep. the impetus that, man, there's other people out there like me. Take me into that world a little bit. Yeah. So apparently that was 2005, not six. Um, when we <laughs> we'll, had, we'll, we'll forget that ever happened. We'll just, no, I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love um, it. I love it. Um, I, you know, going back to work, the plan was to, to have a nanny go back full time to the sales job that I loved so much. Um, but man, I was traveling, Brian was traveling and that mm. was hard and it didn't last long before I realized that something had to change. And, and this sort of part-time work remote position had been crafted in my maternity leave, my absence. And it, it was the most clear direction from God that I had had professionally to that point where he said, you need to, you need to go take this part-time job that was created during your leave, not audibly, but just convictedly. Mm -hmm. Yep. If that's a word. And 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 use that to phase, you know, into staying home. And because we had not financially prepared to do that. 
Yeah, we were pretty much out of debt at that point, but we weren't minus the mortgage, but we weren't like ready for my income to just go away. So I had like back commissions that I needed to get paid. So I bridged this, this conversation with my boss, like, Hey, you know, I love the company, love what I'm doing. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've been given, but I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I I'm wrecked by this baby. I, I, I think I need to stay home, but I want to do this transition period with this other role. He said, no. Um, and I was like, well, God said yes. So that is kind of, <laughs> um, but I was, I mean, I was, I was flabbergasted. So I just kind of listened to him and I understood his perspective. He didn't want to have to replace me. He was like, we'll just give you some more accounts in different areas. It'll all work out. But then I went home and talked to Brian and the next day I was like, I can't like, no, like this was a calling. It was a true mm. calling. And so I went to his boss, my boss's boss, and I said, gave him the same pitch. And he said, yeah, let's work something out. And so, I mean, honestly, Mike, like I never really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing before. Right, right. And so this this part-time work-from-home transitionary role that I ended up taking kept working year Mm. after year after year. And it worked all the way through when we started Belay. And so, yeah, that's really where the concept of like women, primarily women, but men too, don't have to choose between their careers and their families. They can have both. There are plenty of options in between. And that was my journey. And that was really sort of the model that we used when we were starting Belay to, to do all of our staffing. Like a lot of women who had professional experience Yep. And wanted to remain in the workforce, but also wanted to be able to prioritize their families. Yep. I love it. And I love that. I was listening last night to a podcast with Christy Wright and she made with Ramsey and she made a statement that ties into that so well. And I was looking up, she said, the best opportunities are not jobs that are posted, but problems that are solved. Yeah. And what I love about what you did was you guys solved a problem. You know, we went through it. So we we're just ahead, a little probably just a tad older than you guys. Um, but my wife was a an assistant, and when we had our kids, we decided for her to stay home. She stayed home all those years, but she missed. She loved yeah. it, but she yeah. missed that time in that environment, working and serving and doing all that kind of stuff. So I love how you have addressed a thing. Did you feel a pressure? of being a woman in leadership? Was that, you know, did you, did you feel guilty at times, Shannon? Like, why did God put this drive in me that I don't want to just stay home and which is an incredible thing, but I have a drive to do more. Did you ever feel guilty about that? Uh, um, I don't think so. Only because I, my mom was such a model of working hard, but it was for very little payoff. Mm, (laughs) You know, mm. like her working hard was, um, working at, at retail, you know, Walmart or, you know, and, and she, she was a super hard worker. And so I always valued hard work and never really, like I said, felt called to be a stay at home mom. So I felt no guilt growing my career, being driven professionally, wanting to climb the ladder and achieve more and learn more and grow with the company, which I thought I was going to retire from, by the way. Um, but when I had Rainy, I realized that I couldn't, for me in that season, give my all to my company and give my all to my family. Like 
there had to be a compromise. Mm. And so it was more of a, a calling than it, than a guilty feeling. Um, cause, and I think a lot of women are, are wired that way too. Yep. And us being in the South, like it's very, um, accepted and, and common to stay home, which is awesome. And I'm not digging on people who, who that is their calling for sure. But for a lot of us, that professional drive and ambition doesn't go away when you have yeah. a baby. It doesn't turn off. Like it might need to take a different position in your life, but it doesn't necessarily dissolve. And so that's sort of my, you know, my heartbeat right now is is letting women know that they're it doesn't have to go away and you don't have to feel bad for it. Like there's plenty of things that you can do to remain engaged in the workforce, not completely off ramp. So then when it is time to go back to full time, if you choose to do that, it's a heck of a lot easier if you never leave altogether. That's right. That is exactly well, that is so good. That is so good. I know I was reading in one of your interviews, you said, you guys said on October the 1st, 2010, we gave our notices to our employers, cashed out our 401ks to use a seed. We dropped our dropped up, wrapped up our responsibilities and went all in for belay. It was the most exciting and terrifying time of our lives. What was that feeling like when you guys looked at each other and went, okay, we're on another bridge. And this is one we're going to have to go up together. I can't leave. I can't just jump by myself, Brian, like you did before you uh, finished the conversation with her. What was that feeling like when you went, we're all in, we're in this thing. What was it like? It was just full of emotion, hmm. you know, uh, for me. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember that day very vividly. I, I spoke to Shannon on the phone because the headquarters of our company was in Ohio near Youngstown. I had to fly up to Pittsburgh that morning and I was driving to the office to give notice. And Shannon was walking into her office in Alpharetta, Georgia. And so we were, we literally gave notice to very nice jobs that same day. Um, and for me, it was, um, it was, there was so much emotion in a good way. Like I was, I was saying goodbye to something I thought was great. I was planning on leaving. Well, I know Shannon would too. I was excited for the future. Didn't know there was so much ahead of us, so many challenges ahead of us. It almost felt incredibly daunting. But then I also felt like my hunger for autonomy oversaw all over all of that. Mm-hmm. The desire to be free and to to go after something um, in a calculated way. With you know, I, we had also sought out some um, very successful business people privately and said, "Hey, how do we do this right?" And so there was a lot of good counsel and encouragement. And mind you, this was during the Great Recession, where right. anybody with the job thought we were... <laughs> That's exactly right. They thought we were dumb. And so <laughs> the council was really coming from people that had navigated successful businesses and said, this is, this is a good idea. You know, like, this has got legs, you should go after this. So we had a little bit of wind from people that were successful in business. We didn't lean into people who were never in business or not successful in business. So there was a, there was a courage there. Um, for me, at least, and, and kind of that swirled in all that emotion. You know, and I think at, if, if everybody looks at Belay today, which I want to hear all about where y'all are today, they go, man, there's no way I can go from my corporate career, cash it all in to end up where they are. But, but it wasn't just ending up where you are today. There was some iterations to the journey because I remember the very first time I ever heard about you was Mag Bookkeeping. Yeah. That was the first that was sort of the first iteration of getting into all this. What would you say to people about um, somebody sitting there, they've got a dream and they feel like God's called them to it. And they feel like, you know, 
now, now they're at the point of, I got to step out. I got to give it a shot. What advice would you give somebody like that? Whatever career it may be. Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely, um, I would plan on understanding that your plan A and plan B and plan C will likely not work and it'll be plan D and E. <laughs> so that's have right. a plan A, but make sure you've got more plans than that because the market will tell you what they want. Yeah. That's good. And I meet a lot of people that are just, they've gone for broke on plan A and they're so disappointed when plan A doesn't work. And, and you've got to be agile to survive in a market. And we've been doing this eight years and we're still pivoting. You know, we're still remaining agile on what we do in the market because the market will tell you what they want. And, um, you know, that, that's definitely one of my biggest encouragements to people who are in startup. And I, I think too, you really got to get honest about what you're pursuing. Are you pursuing launching a product? Are you pursuing starting a company or are you pursuing a different type of life? And those are very different things. And so when you make the decision to follow your dream and start a nonprofit or start a business, you're doing it really for a different way of life. Mm -hmm. um, so that when that product A or product B doesn't sell because nobody wants to buy it, you're not so <laughs> married to it. You think, well, I guess I, that just didn't work. I guess I got to go back to what I was doing before. No, that, you figure it out. I but, love that. You know, and so many times on Shark Tank, you watch Shark Tank, and they're so tied to the emotion of it, they can't take any critique of it. Yeah. So they'll they'll throw it out, and the guys will say something, and they get offended. Yeah. You know, it offends them that they are saying that to them. It's unbelievable how that happens. Yeah. And I understand it because we've had you know products that belay that or companies for that matter that we've had to sunset that we've had to dissolve, and um and I get the emotion around that because it's something you created. It's almost like you gave birth to, and you're very connected to that emotionally. But I think the more you can be objective and look at those situations and, and the data and, and listen to wise counsel around you, the easier it is to make those decisions to say, this is not taking me to my vision. Good. This is not getting us long-term where we need to be like, this needs to, this needs to stop. Yeah, I, I often meet a lot of um, early business owners that are in early struggle and they hate the business that they that at one point they were in love with. And and oftentimes why I see why they hate it is because they've lost um, sight of what that business is for. And I have to I help people force them into a decision. Is this an asset that you're building or a legacy you're trying to build? Because well, if you're building an asset or a legacy, your paths are different. And another way to look at that, another lens is to say to yourself, Am I going to own the business or run the business? Because mm. owning the business informs a lot of decisions for how you lead the business forward and how you're going to run a business. If you're going to run the thing, it's going to be different than how you own it. And so those are some lenses that we encourage our you know, business owners, you know, especially in the early days, early struggle, to think through. what Those two things are very critical to think through because it informs a lot of your success in the future. That's so good. You know, and you even think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, how you guys have lived that out over these years. And as you guys said, you didn't know plan E. All you knew was I was going to be obedient to plan A, and I was going to let him, I was going to trust him that day to guide my steps. I just didn't see the end result of where it was going to carry me. And here we sit today, tell everybody about Belay. So there may be some business owners that are listening into this that go, man, I haven't, I haven't heard about that. Tell them about who you guys are, what you're doing. And I love your mission. You say your mission is to glorify God by providing solutions that equip our clients with the confidence 
to climb higher. Tell them about Belay and the heart behind what you guys are doing. Yeah, our mission statement is incredibly important to us, but I think practically how it plays out is we just come across a lot of people uh, or business owners that feel trapped in their business. And what I mean by that is they, they basically, they, they're in a season of chaos. They don't know how to find great people to help grow their business and they don't like their work. And for us, we found that if we can serve these business owners, these, or these organizational owners, whether a pastor or a CEO for a nonprofit, we can serve them and, and help them grow the organization. They can find relief and like their work again. Mm. And for us, that's incredibly important. The word belay itself means to help somebody climb higher. When you think about it from a true climbing term, and I'm a climber, and there's a lot of meaning behind that. The joys from working from home. Uh, you know, for us, belay just simply means that we're in a support role helping the climber climb higher and to achieve yep. what we're doing. And I'm really proud of that name because it's what we're doing and we see evidence of it every day. I love that. How many total contract folks do you have working for you right now? And in how many businesses or in churches are they in? Yeah, we're so right now we have close to 700 team members. Wow. Uh, an organization. Um, 60 of those, about 60 of those are in Metro Atlanta, and that's what we call our, our corporate team. And those folks, um, you know, they're, uh, they're folks like us. They're, you know, sales, marketing, HR, they're basically the headquarters types people that are not client facing. And we all do that without an office. We all work from home. Um, separate from that, um, our contractors, which are our virtual assistants, our bookkeepers, and our webmasters, there's 640 of those folks. Good night. So that's, you know, there's close to 700 of us that are on payroll in some way, shape, or form. Is and that all of us serve a, a client base of about 1,400? Wow. Clients. Where do you see it going? As you guys look out now, here we are at plan E, which is so good. As you said, as you look out, you go, I think this is the direction we're headed. Where, where do you see this growing over the coming years? Well, for me, I think that we've got, um, I'm really excited actually about our bookkeeping business. I love our virtual assistant business and, and our webmaster business, but I think bookkeeping is an area of, of great growth for our business. So we're emphasizing on that. Um, it's, that's a very practical answer to your question, but I, I think ultimately it's creating a business of value. Remember I just said, like, are you developing an asset or a legacy? Yep. So the answer to that question truly is two owners. And we're the only owners in this company currently. I think we're wanting to develop a meaningful asset. Um, we don't know that we, I don't think we have any aspirations that our children are going to take over this business one day. I think they've got, I think God's wired them to do different things in this world. Mm -hmm. I don't see this as a legacy play as a, a, for our family. It's an asset that we're working to really develop. So for us, I think it means more and more clients. I mean, Shannon mentioned just now that we're about 1,400 clients. I'd like to see that number well over 5,000 or mm -hmm. 10,000. And then what that means is consistently showing up every day, refining our systems and processes, remaining agile, and serving our clients as best we humanly can. And, you know, a big reason we can do what we do is technology. So that will obviously evolve and, and enhance what we're doing. You know, there's a lot of fear and concern about AI. What's AI going to do, you know, to the virtual assistant? Yep. But I think it's going to enhance it because I don't think that human element will ever go away. That's good. 
That is so good. What do you two do to keep yourselves growing? So you don't, I, I remember when I was in early years of ministry, I had a good friend in Atlanta, Ike, Ike Riker, you guys yeah. may know. Yeah. And Ike used to always ask me, what, what are you doing to stretch you? What's stretching you? What's stretching you guys? What do we, what do you do to keep yourselves from going, okay, I think we've made it. I think we've, we, we finally arrived. How do you keep that drive? Um, Brian's drive is inherent and will never go away. He will never have a day. You know what? We're good. We are good. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I know that on my deathbed, I'll ask Jesus for another hour. (laughs) Is that just, were you like that as a kid, Brian? Yeah. I'm incredibly driven. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And and every, you know, in soccer, I was a captain. I was a goalkeeper. I led the field, you know, and business. I always find my way into leadership positions. You know, I, I'm just an incredibly driven guy. I like climbing mountains because I know what that means metaphorically and physically. I'm just a very driven guy, you know? And, and so the answer question now, what challenges me is I, uh, Shannon and I both, we mentor, uh, we find great people to mentor and we're very proactive in how we do that. Um, I'm on the board of radical mentoring. Reggie Campbell was my mentor back in yep. 2007, learned so much from him. And I've applied that. Shannon has too with um, women, business owners, I, I stole a lot of the material and then I got permission for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, we, so every couple of years we'll mentor uh, every, you know, we take some time off because it's a pretty big investment of time yeah. and energy uh, to, to really serve and to pour into young people's lives. Um, so we do that. Um, you know, for me personally, I work really hard to journal every day, um, eat right. Uh, you know, also exercise. exercise. I also, um, you know, I, I also try and visualize who I'm becoming mm, um, and where, where God's calling me next. And I think that that's, that's important. I also see that I serve the King of Kings and I'm, you know, I'm heir and I, I take that stewardship responsibly here on earth to, to steward what we, what's been given to us. And so I'll find myself constantly saying, what's the best stewardship of what's next in our business, of our life, of our marriage, of our kids, of me personally, in my body. Um, I see it all as a stewardship, not, not, you know, fragmented, if you will. Mm-hmm. That is good. How about you, Shannon? What do you do to keep growing? You know, the, the writing the book was a big challenge um, for me. And, and so I intentionally took a season of pause after that. But um, Brian kind of alluded to it earlier. Like we're, we're writing another book together this time about being a uh, husband and wife and, and awesome. owning a business together and how to not lose your marriage and yourself in that process. <laughs> um, and so that will be an opportunity for growth for sure. Um, more on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, I'm a, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, Yes. but I'm a, I'm a three. So I like to achieve, achieve, achieve. My drive isn't quite as intense as Brian's, but you know, you got to keep yep. pace, right? Um, and so mine is more like uh, a constant feeling of, have I done enough? Mm. Am I enough? Is the, am I worthy of this, you know, opportunity or, or these assets or um, this business or these relationships that God has given me? And so it's a constant feeling of having to earn that, um, which I know inherently as a child of God, like there is nothing you can do to earn it, but it's yep. just it's a reminder. So one very practical grounding and centering technique for me is, um, a daily gratitude journal. And it's not, you know, 
I'm not militant about it, but I'm telling you when I do it, 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 it reminds me, like we talked about with give, save, live, like it's all God's anyway. Right. And so being grateful is practically reminding yourself that it is all God's. You're grateful right. for all of it. The challenges, the opportunities, the struggles, the, the blessings. Um, so that's one thing. And, and for me, segmenting my time um, really helps me grow too, because then I can look back and say, okay, I've got time blocked for these certain things. And I can walk away knowing that I did those things. And that is enough for today. That's good. That is so good. And you both have books out. And now you're doing one together. Tell everybody a little bit about the books that you have out. And, and what was it about that book that meant so much to you to get those thoughts out to everybody? For me, uh, the book's called Virtual Culture. Uh, the website for this is virtualculturebook.com. But it, for the reason why I wrote that book was because it was time to create a playbook, not the playbook, but a playbook on how to really have a thriving culture and a business without an office. And the reason, the reason why it was time was because we um, hit the Inc. fastest growing companies list for the third year. Um, we won a very prestigious award by Entrepreneur Magazine. We were ranked number one in company culture um, so against 50 other companies. And um, frankly, so many people were like, well, how are you doing this without an office? And so it's just time to write the book. And so yep. I, and then, we, then you know, over time, I've come to realize that large organizations struggle with how they're going to shed off a space and send people home and how startups don't ever want an office. So I just found that there's a byproduct of what we've done. We were able to teach through virtual culture. And so it's a bit of our story, but there's a lot of practical, practical handles in there for how people can actually create a virtual organization of meaning. So that's my book. I love that. I love that. And um, I kind of alluded to mine earlier, but it's called the third option and it's, the the concept we discussed earlier about why a woman doesn't have to choose between a career and family, but can actually have both and succeed. And so it's, you know, it's obviously my story, but it's, it's a lot of stories of other women who have chosen their own third option that looks entirely different from mine for entirely different reasons. Um, You know, from millennials who are, who went to college and started working in corporations and thought, Oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I, <laughs> like, no way I, I have to design my life differently all the way through um, women who are approaching retirement and their positions get eliminated and yep. they're left with, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, and so really it's, it's crafting a life that, that serves um, you personally, your family and your profession. And um, so like Brian's too, it's a lot of story, but it's a lot of, so how do I decide if I'm ready for a change? How do I decide if a third option is right for me? And then how do I make it work for the long term? That's so good. Well, I'm so proud of you guys because you are not only making a difference for the kingdom, which you are, but you're making a difference for a lot of people that may felt like there wasn't another option. And they, they felt like Brian that, you know, I, I can't. I'm out of office space. I don't, I don't know what to do, but I know I need to grow. And I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know there was a virtual option, but I have to feel like during this, there was probably a point you guys wanted to wave the white flag and go, I can't, I, this is too much. The the pain Mm -hmm. of this is too much. What kept you going during those times? Cause there's probably more than one when I know, I don't know. Have y'all read the book leadership pain by Sam Chan? No, no. The, the best book that I have ever read that, uh, about, about what every leader goes through. 
And his, and his comment is, we will only grow to the threshold of our pain. So he mm-hmm. said, if you find mm-hmm. me a great leader, I will find you somebody with an incredibly high threshold for pain because they just keep going. They keep getting yeah. back up. What kept you guys getting back up when it would have been easy to go, you know what? I'm cashing. I'm going back to what was easier. What would you say? Whew, uh, I definitely got to read that book. I, I think there are seasons that are more painful than others. Um, but the the fundamental weight and responsibility of what we've created has kept me going. Mm. I, you know, this company and, and the work that we do and the mission that we have, it, it is not about me and it is not about Brian. And so even on the worst day, I can look at stories where what we're doing has changed lives and no, mm. we're not at healthcare and no, we're not running a nonprofit, but I'm telling you straight up, like even one of our employees who, um, was going through a very intense personal struggle. I said, what can I do for you? Like, I'm praying for you. We've gifted you. Like, what else can I do? And she said, just by creating Belay and allowing me the opportunity to work from home and grieve when I need to grieve and scream when I need to scream and go to doctor's appointments when I need to go to doctor's appointments and work when I can work, like, that is the greatest gift. And so- I love it. For me, that is what keeps me going, knowing that this is not a business, it is a calling. And it may look different in 2019 as it does in 2020, but it is a calling nonetheless. That's so good. I have a different answer. Um, It's simply that I've climbed mountains, like physically climbed mountains. And to get to a summit is only to get halfway there. Got to come home. And climbing is about putting one foot in front of the other when you're scared, when it's dark, when you don't know what's underneath you, when you hear things creaking and cracking around you, but you keep striving and you keep walking up a mountain and it's hard work. And I've just done that literally. So I know I can do it also in this business. And I, like I said, I mentioned I'm driven, but you know what that really means? I think that's just that I'm willing to put in the work. That's good. I will work my butt off. And I know Shannon will, And, you know, at some point we'll feel like God prompts us to do something different, but for right now we're climbing the mountain and we're putting one foot in front of the other, just like every other person has to in their life. We're no different. Mm -hmm. Um, the the differences is what your pursuit is. But for us, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's just like climbing an actual mountain. What a great time with Brian and Shannon. You know, one of the things that I left with after our time together was just challenged they are always thinking of a better way. I think so many times in life we hit obstacles and we begin to wonder, you know, have I missed something or am I doing something wrong? Brian and Shannon are those kind of people. They meet those obstacles head on and see what could be, not just what is. And what a gift that is. And how many lives, how many hundreds of lives have been touched because of them chasing their passion, chasing their dream, and not willing to say, well, that's just the way that it is. Brian and Shannon are blazing a new trail, and I love it. What I love is two years from now, I'll be able to meet with Brian and Shannon again, and who knows the incredible adventure they may be on at that point. Brian and Shannon, thank you for sharing your journey with us. We are all better because of your faith and you being willing to let go of what is comfortable and what was comfortable 
to chase after what God has for you. Gosh, thank you so much, Brian and Shannon. That was a ton of fun. Well, we get to celebrate episode 50 with one of my favorite people. You know, there are those people, and I've mentioned this on some of these podcasts, that are my go-to people. One of them you met the other month. His name was Brian Dodd. Brian's a thought leader. Brian's a pusher. Brian is a driver. Brian makes me better. But one of those other go-to people for me, really for the past 20 years, has been a gentleman named Ira Blumenthal. Ira was the longest tenured consultant with Coca-Cola. He was president of Co-Opportunities. He's traveled all over the world, speaking on some of those uh, incredible stages with America's and the really the world's best leaders at the success conferences. Ira and his wife, Kim, are currently leading the Pat Summit Group and really, really doing some amazing things. He has written an incredible book called Managing Brand You. Ira uh, is, is just one of those people that's larger than life. But man, Ira just makes me better. He's just one of those people that makes me better. And we were able to sit down for a live time together. And you are going to benefit because you get to listen in. And so Ira will be my episode 50 guest. And I can't think of anybody I would rather have at the table that day. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you have, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Let other people know that you've listened in and maybe they'll find their way here and they can be better leaders because of you sharing your story. Well, once again, thanks for joining us. Until next time, go be the leader that God created you to be. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 